Over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at iconic herbs in the Western herbal medicine tradition. And we talked about slippery elm, we talked mm. about echinacea, and mm. there was one we didn't get around to, the third in the well, triumvirate. We tried to, Jane, but the, the board would not, would not allow us. We, we had some great questions. <laughs> we had some great questions, but today we want to talk about an iconic and remarkable remedy, the herb golden seal. Hello, Tony. Uh, hi, Dennis. Um, yeah, mate, I, I've got a little bit of a gut problem. Um, it's not serious, mate, but look, I've had it for about three months now and I've been to my my GP and I've been on antibiotics and and it's still it's still a little bit of a problem. Not a, not a bad pain, but okay. just a, a, a dull ache in my stomach and I just wondered okay. whether there's any herbal products I should okay. be taking. Well, the first thing to say, Tony, is you've done the right thing. You've had a problem, you've been to your GP, uh, and uh, he's treated it. He treated it with antibiotics, did he? Is that that Uh, what you're saying? Yeah, just a seven-day course, uh, Dennis. Yeah, mate, didn't didn't work. Okay. Um, Now, the condition, you say, has been alleviated. It's not as aggressive as what it originally was. It never was real aggressive, Dennis. It's okay. just one of those little pains in the stomach and it's been diagnosed as some sort of a virus in my stomach. Oh, okay. Well, so long as you're um, having this medically monitored, I can give a few uh, hints here that yep. uh, that can potentially help you. The, the first thing to take on board is that one of the, the herbs that we were going to talk about today, that is the herb golden seal, has, yep. has a specific relationship to the gastrointestinal tract, particularly the upper gut, particularly the stomach. Yes. And it is used popularly by herbalists such as myself in the Western tradition for treating a range of uh, conditions uh, associated with the gut, uh, ranging from helicobacter right through to uh, inflammation of any form. And it has some useful so-called antimicrobial properties, which means a herbalist would use it in addressing conditions suspected to be related to viral or bacterial or fungal conditions and would prescribe it confidently as a a relatively safe way of addressing that problem, particularly if it's chronic and has not responded to mainstream medication. So it would be be something that I would encourage you um, to think about using. Um, It's readily available from our health food stores or pharmacy. It must be taken strictly in its stipulated dosage because it's quite an active herb. Uh, In in conjunction with that, and this might sound a little bit simplistic, uh, from the other side of the world, from Western Europe, we get the herb chamomile. Now, chamomile is known by most Europeans. Most European kids would have been given it at some stage of their life. But uh, chamomile, remarkably, uh, is, is is a remedy that, in my opinion, is more related to gastrointestinal conditions than to things like insomnia or other things for which it's generally prescribed. I've never found it useful, for instance, as something to use to try to get to sleep. But but on the gastrointestinal tract for mild inflammatory conditions, um, even ulcerative conditions, it's a great soothing remedy, which when combined, say, with the American herb golden seal, would be something that a medical herbalist would consider as being yeah. useful to address your problem. Don't, don't ever forget, however, with these conditions that are irritable and non-specific and, and not 
responsive or not responsive to the mainstream but yet not associated with any uh, serious pathology, don't forget the soothing characteristics of the herb we started talking about a number of weeks ago, and that is slippery elm. Now, the slippery elm is a very safe and protective remedy. It has no what we call pharmacological action. That is, it is nothing more than a soothing palliative remedy for the gut wall, which lessens a lot of inflammatory activity, even mild ulceration. It's a good remedy to think of uh, to take in conjunction with almost any treatment for inflammatory states of the upper gut. So there's a couple of things. Uh, Perhaps... Uh, talk to your pharmacist or your herbalist or your naturopath. Okay, yep. G- golden seal, some chamomile, even as a tea form, taken regularly across the day. And yep. if, if only my listeners would take uh, my hint to start to use more slippery elm in their diet. It is a food. It's a medicinal food. I'm sure, yep. I'm sure we'd have less irritable conditions of the upper gut and even the lower gut. Okay, mate. Thanks very much for that. Okay. I, I, I appreciate your help, Dennis. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Keith has rung in. Hi, Dennis. Hello. Yes, I heard you talk about Manuka honey the other day on the radio, and in the meantime, I've gone and cut my leg, and it's become quite infected. Yes. And the antibiotics that the doctors have given me is not working very well. So I was wondering um, what sort of Manuka honey should I be using? I've had a look at the shops, and it's quite a range there. Okay. So which one do I choose to use? Well, to start off with, um, the first thing I'd I'd have to say is um, you maintain your medical treatment uh, for, for, for a cut because you need the antibiotic to safeguard against serious bacterial infection, which can lead to cellulitis and other nasty things. But, but if I were to uh, use, um, uh, manuka as a, a preparation for addressing a wound to promote mainly healing, although, uh, although the manuka, uh, species of honey, whether it be the New Zealand or the Australian one, is remarkable also for a, for a, for an antibiotic characteristic. Um, what you need to do, what you need to go to do, is go to your health food store and look for a manuka honey that has the highest rating or grading on it. And okay. You'll find that they've got um, plus this and plus that, and it's the what's called the manuka factor. And the yeah. the hypothesis is that the the higher the factor is, the greater the yeah. concentration of its healing and antibiotic characteristics. Uh, and, of course, uh, the higher up you go, the more expensive it will become. Sure. Um, however, you're, you're not going to need a lot of it, presumably. So no. um, a small jar of mm-hmm. a high grade, my suggestion would be, if you go to really major on this antibiotic possibility, the yeah. higher grade, the better. Um, and any health food store, or even pharmacy these days, would be able to march you down the aisle, so to speak, and point out the one that okay. that has the highest grading to it. Um, sure. That's the way that I would go. But I might surprise listeners when I say this. Uh, in my opinion, in my opinion, yeah. all honeys have the potential to um, work against infection and also sure. to rapidly promote healing. Let me okay. put this in perspective, and I'm not casting any aspersions on the Manuka. Manuka is, is a great product, and the honey is a great product, but there's a whole lot about Manuka presently, which, in my opinion, um, borders on hype. And right. what, what we have to realise is that honey has been used since time immemorial, particularly by the remarkable Greeks and the Romans, 
who used it as a topical application for most of their battle wounds and uh, general healing uh, requirements. And I can assure you the honey that they used uh, was not sourced as them going to Australia or New Zealand to get it. And yet some of the the most remarkable uh, instances of healing, which are well documented in some of the literature, have come come from honeys that come from other parts of the world. And some of my best results um, in practice over my 40 years were associated with with, uh, producing from my own practice a Melderma honey ointment that was just based, let me emphasise, just based on good, ordinary Australian honey collected from the wild, which was a blend. And I contend to this day that at least in two cases, I saved people's limbs as a result of using that honey, which which was way before the Manuka explosion. So I'm, put, okay. I'm putting things in perspective, particularly for those people that can't access manuka or whatever. Good, yeah. pure Australian honey is yeah. still a remarkable agent because honey works not just uh, by disinfecting uh, a wound. It does that, but there's a whole subtle process associated with the action of honey on a wound. It's a very, very subtle but well-defined process which transcends just a simple antibiotic action. I could talk all day about it. But look, to be fair, to be fair, I, in my latest production of my own honey ointment, I have used the Australian Manuka, a Leptospermum yes. polygonatum, and in your case, I'd encourage you to go to your pharmacy, health food store, get a small expensive jar of the highest grade uh, yes. if you want to major on the Manuka story. I'll do that and see how we go. Yeah, but keep in, remember, keep in touch with your GP because any serious uh, wound on the, on the limbs particularly can turn nasty and can develop into things such as a cellulitis, which is really then a problem. And Dennis, do you just, uh, if you get the honey from your, as you say, uh, do we then just smear some honey on the, the wound? That's, that's as simple as it can be. Yes. But to be fair... Um, in the development of, of, of my honey ointment, I was influenced by what the Russians did. I've spoken about this before. In the development of a famous honey ointment, which was a blend of uh, cod liver oil, uh, beeswax, and honey. And I have used that as the basis of, of my ointment. Uh, uh, but you can use it simply uh, by just plastering and putting uh, a pad or lint over the over the wound. But again here, I come back to the point, Jane, any serious wound needs to be managed by a medico who can monitor even a topical application such as this. Excellent. This is Health Naturally on 2NURFM. And Kerry has rung in from Swansea. And your question, Kerry, is about reactive arthritis. Yes, yes, it is. Hello, Kerry. Oh, hello. Uh, yes, my son's been diagnosed with reactive arthritis. Yes. And he's been treated with um, anti-inflammatory yes, tablets. Yes. Um, he has. It started in his back yes. with back spasms. Yes. It then went to his uh, right hand, his yes. wrist area. Yes. And there was a lot of swelling there. Yes. Then it went to his um, left knee. Yes. With a lot of swelling. Mm. And at the moment, um, as I said, he's been treated with anti-inflammatory. Yes. But at the moment, he's having three, um, three 
uh, goes at the hospital at Royal North Shore yes. um, a day apart with uh, like a drip. Yes. Really smacking him with yeah. um, the anti-inflammatories through a drip. Mm. Yeah, he's only 38. Mm. Yes, but he's doing it pretty tough. Okay. Yes, it's mm. like it's mm. disabling him sure. terribly, you know. Sure. And uh, yes. Look, so, mm. uh, what do you think about that, Kerry? The, the thing is, he's um, getting <laughs> significant medical care, yeah, uh, and, he is. and you have to be very cautious, uh, even with using natural medication or supplements. Mm. That you don't use things that might interact with yeah, okay, with what yeah. with what the medical practitioners are trying to do. Yes, he's so, under a, a, um, a rheumatologist. Um, a, yes, a rheumatologist, okay, but yeah, a specialist yeah, sure. at Ronald Shaw at the moment. Well, yeah. In my opinion, he's, he's he's probably getting the best treatment. He, well, I've spent a couple of days down there yeah, with him and just yeah. come home, and, and that's yeah. what he was saying to yeah, me. You know, yeah. he thinks he's got the best yeah. sort of the best care. What I would be yeah. doing, what I'd be doing at this stage, Kerry, is saying, listen. Just relax. You get yeah. it, you're getting good treatment. You can't good... work because oh, he's right. uh, he's trying to go, sure, sure, and uh, it's sure. very very tough on sure. him. What I'd suggest is uh, after he has completed uh, this intensive treatment under the rheumatologist at Royal North Shore, that is the time perhaps to consider uh, things that might be brought in to contribute to reducing the inflammatory activity. It might be appropriate then to contact us. Let us know what the situation is because you would have heard me on the program talk about uh, uh, serious uh, supplements, uh, natural remedies that have credible potential to address inflammatory activity, albeit, albeit they address various levels of inflammatory activity. They cannot take the place of steroids and other uh, higher-strength anti-inflammatories which your son is likely to be receiving. But there is a point where his condition may be less intensively managed and more susceptible to the introduction of things like curcumin uh, and herbs like devil's claw, uh, those sorts of herbs which appended even to some milder anti-inflammatories that he may end up on could give him an edge. But I wouldn't suggest at this stage that you encourage him or even enthuse him with using other things until his situation is clarified. This is Health Naturally on 2NURFM. Dennis Stewart is taking your calls on 49216216. And Judith has rung in from Valentine. Judith, uh, your question's about reflux. Yes, Jane. Please. Hello, Judith. How are you doing? I get a lot of reflux lately, Dennis. Okay. How are you? I'm Sorry, very, how are you? I'm, 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 very, <laughs> I'm very well indeed, Judith. Judith's a lovely name. I had a, a cousin whose name was Judith, and we're very close friends. It's a good old-fashioned biblical name. I love it. Yes, it is too. <laughs> You're um, right there. How long have you been experiencing your reflux? A fair bit lately. It's, okay. and it's, okay. Sometimes I bring up bile, but okay. I don't know what's causing it. Okay, well, the first thing, with any of these things, and you might, people might get bored when I say it, is that any of these things should be clarified. Anything that, that has suddenly started to occur and is associated with discomfort uh, needs to be presented to get a medical opinion because uh, reflux can um, be associated with many things. I, I remember, oh. uh, and this is not to frighten listeners, but I remember uh, treating a chap in my in my Cessnock rooms who presented with unresolved reflux and he wanted to try uh, my preparation. And on the way out, I said to him, I said, look, uh, don't forget 
that sometimes reflux pain is is misinterpreted and can have something to do with the cardiovascular system it was a sort of a throwaway line and um, I said I'll see you in a month anyway I, I recommended what he could try uh, but I said when you see your, your GP mention that um, his GP took on board my comments and one day I was in the rooms at Cessnock and uh, uh, the guy presented again and he presented with a, a very very welcome uh, bottle of, of red wine and I was quite stunned because it was two, 2014 vintage from a little uh, vineyard uh, that I should know of because I frequent the Hunter and I said to this gentleman I said oh look I said you didn't have to, to bring that uh, to me he said I did I said what do you mean he said you saved my life I said what do you mean I saved your life he said, well, I went back and told my GP and he took on board what you said and he sent me for scans and he said I had multiple blockages and my reflux pain was actually associated with blockage. He said, so straight away, while I was out in the vineyard, I was told to get myself as quickly as possible to the hospital where I had multiple stents put in and I'm symptom-free. So what am I saying? I'm saying to listeners generally, what, what sometimes uh, can occur or seem to be something pretty simple uh, say a bit of reflux might be just that might be just that and it probably is judith but take on board what i have said if it lingers uh, get it looked at um, also reflux can be associated with what's called helicobacter which is a bacteria that in, that infects uh, the stomach and is treated reasonably successfully with with the spectrum of antibiotics um, take that on board but in the meantime in the meantime um, you can get some relief um, uh, from a simple strategy, which is very inexpensive uh, and which I have frequently mentioned on, on this program. Start off with good old slippery elm. Now, okay. slippery elm is soothing to the upper gut. Uh, it's palliative. It lessens some of the symptoms of reflux and it is harmless. It will not uh, clash with, with medication. Uh, the other thing is this. In Western herbalism, uh, there is a herb called meadowsweet. Its botanical name is Philippendula ulmeria. And of all the herbs that are used uh, to address uh, chronic uh, reflux symptoms that may not even respond to the medications that, that are prescribed by our GPs, um, meadowsweet is sometimes remarkable and it can be purchased as a simple herbal tea and listeners, don't don't neglect the simple form of using herbs. You do not have to pay a so-called arm and a leg to get a herbal benefit. Uh, when I started off practice, it was very common just to recommend and prescribe herbs in simple form so that they could be infused or decocted, that is, made into a herbal tea, and they work just as well. So meadowsweet should be capable of being purchased as a simple herbal tea and taken, uh, like any herbal tea, a couple of times a day in conjunction with your slippery elm, I'd be surprised if that didn't do something for you. But having said that, having said that, um, I would still suggest that you have a talk with your GP to see whether or not he feels that it's worthwhile having a gastroscopy or other investigation or perhaps even trying a mainstream um, uh, re anti-reflux remedy or in fact giving this very safe and natural approach a go for a couple of weeks. All the very best with that Judith and Robert has rung in from Cessnock. Robert your question's about psoriasis yes? Yes 
Hello, yeah, Robert. Um, I've got a girlfriend who's got psoriasis real yeah, bad. Yes. Now, um, she's been to John Hunter. Yes. And um, they put this, they give her all the ointment. Yes. And it's making it really worse. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Okay. Um, the first thing, Robert, is that it's, it's not uncommon with any skin condition, whether it be psoriasis, eczema, any of those conditions, to um, sometimes react adversely to some of the most common preparations that are prescribed for these conditions. Um, if it is giving serious irritation, that needs to be pretty hastily discussed with those that prescribed it because there may be alternatives. Um, she's probably She has it in multiple places. Yeah, it got it all in her hair, yes. all over her body. Yes, it, yes. It just, it, it, it really bad, you know, it smells. Look, it's obviously a very serious case of psoriasis and psoriasis can be a very serious skin condition. What I'd be suggesting pretty quickly is that you seek an appointment with the hospital and with the dermatologist that would have treated your wife to to have the condition looked at. If that is impossible, we have some very, very good general practitioners in Cessnock, I know that for sure. I would be suggesting that if it's not possible uh, to get back uh, to the dermatologist at John Hunter, um, that you at least see your GP or a GP in Cessnock to have a look at the condition to make sure that it's not infected and to look at perhaps another topical application. From what you tell me, this is a pretty serious condition and needs to be, in my opinion, uh, medically looked at, clarified and perhaps treated a little bit differently by the selection of other medications and perhaps even some stronger oral medication, perhaps even a steroid. But the hospital or your GP at this level, in my opinion, should become involved. Mm, All the very best with that, Robert. Um, Anthony has rung in from Emu Plains. Now, you're you're taking us back to honey, Anthony, are you? Yes, I am. Hello, Anthony. How are you doing? Good, thanks, Dennis. How are you? I'm very well indeed. It's a a lovely day up here, but it's terribly smoky. What's it like down where you are? Yeah, same, same. Yeah, Um, dear, dear, dear. Very smoky, but beautiful day. Yeah, lovely. Um, Not too hot, thank goodness. Yep. How can we we help you, Anthony? My my question, Dennis, is um, I I just want to know whether it's correct or not. um, Any type of honey mixed with crushed pumpkin seeds um, will generally give you a good night's sleep and, and help with insomnia in some okay. cases. Well, I, I, I have, I have um, a, a book in my room at present entitled The Honey Revolution, which is uh, procurable in, in, in multiple bookshops. It's not hard to get. It's, it's a, a book written by two American medical practitioners. It presents the latest thinking and science on the use of honey, and one of the uses of honey is put to, put forward, not as a guaranteed cure, but I know many of my patients vouch for it, is the taking of any pure, unadulterated, raw honey, a tablespoonful of that taken ritualistically at night, has helped many people get a better night's sleep than what they previously did. I don't uh, necessarily think that it has to be appended by any other things, if you want to append it with pumpkin seeds or anything like that, uh, that might be useful for prostate conditions. But honey on its own, a tablespoonful, I have recommended to, to, to many clients, 
And not all of them. I'm not saying this is a cure or only a fool would say that, but um, it has helped a lot of people. But the point is, the emphasis is you have to take it quantitatively. It's no use yeah. to take a little taste of it. Um, you've got to be looking at about a tablespoonful and, 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 and get your good honey from your local grower. And um, I think you'll get a result. Great. Yeah. So, right. Well, I'll start doing that because I'm still doing the old-fashioned warm milk trick. Um, well, look, there's, which... there's nothing the matter with um, with using milk and blending into it a tablespoonful of pure honey and sprinkling a bit of cinnamon on top of it. I, I yeah. know a lot, a lot of these old folk remedies for insomnia still work. I, I can remember, um, yeah. I'm not going to encourage this, but I can remember as a very young man um, uh, living in Sydney and boarding with two uh, delightful Northern Irish ladies who were very elderly ladies and who, uh, who looked after me um, like mothers. Uh, but I, I noticed that they and they were very strict um, religious people. <laughs> they, they, belonged to, they belonged to the brethren. And uh, I was boarding with them because I was one of the brethren too. And uh, prior to going to bed, they would ritualistically, ritualistically uh, take a nip of brandy and uh, at, at, yeah. at night when I came in from, from university, I'd get in fairly late, I'd open the door and I could hear them snoring, so it must have worked for them. <laughs> now, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting you do that. I'm suggesting, don't, listeners, don't knock some of the older ways of addressing sleeplessness. Honey probably is a healthier way of doing it. Health naturally and Dennis Stewart is coming up with some very interesting answers to some very interesting Health. calls. And uh, David, we've been talking about um, honey and, of course, and uh, David's rung in from Jules. And uh, you've got a, an experience with honey to tell us about, David. Yes, that's right. Um, um, a few years ago... Um, I was in the shower, yes, and it wasn't the only time I was in the shower, mind you. But <laughs> on, this, on this particular day, on this particular day, yes, I felt a, a very pronounced stinging itch on my just above my ankle. Yes, and without even looking, I scratched it. But yes. when I looked at my fingers, yes, I could see there was the minced remains of some sort of insect. Yes. Where I was bitten, within about three days, I had an ulcer the size of a 50-cent piece wow. um, where I'd been bitten. Yes. So I went up to the hospital and they identified it as a white-tailed spider bite. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. Yes. Yeah. So my brother is a um, an amateur um, apiarist. Yes. And what I did was I made a poultice just of pure honey. Yes. And wrapped it around that wound, yes. and you know, within within two or three days, it had almost completely healed. Yes. And and now, you you can barely make out the scar of where the ulcer was. Yeah. So, yeah. And look, that 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 does not in any way at all surprise me. It's consistent with what we know about the history and now the science associated with with this remarkable remedy. I'm still a little bit disappointed that the, the, the knowledge that we have of honey is not being used more in, in, in a medical environment. Um, my own mother had a terrible accident 
uh, and the, basically her leg was ripped open from the knee to the ankle with a huge gaping wound. She'd All of her life had suffered serious asthma and had taken a lot of steroid and her skin was very, very fragile. And uh, she was hospitalised and unfortunately uh, the stitches wouldn't take because her skin was so resistant uh, to a stitching procedure. And the, 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 the medicos were very, very concerned that, um, you know, the real ramifications could occur from this. Anyway, my dear mother, this goes back a long time now, said, look, she had no problem in saying to them, look, my son's a herbalist and he uses a lot of honey. And, uh, uh, you know, why don't you use some honey on this? And t- t- with due respect, the, the medicos in, cha- in charge of my mother did not dismiss it, did not dismiss it at all. And the story is... Uh, from the the moment her wound began to be dressed with honey and it was done consistently, a healing process began to take place. The wound became sweet, it began to heal and even though my mother had a serious scar, the scar was not uh, ugly to look at and she took to a grave basically a leg that bore testimony to the healing potential of honey to address serious wounds and your case of ulceration I treated a gentleman at my rooms at New Lambton that had uh, a, an ulcer he was a diabetic patient an ulcer that was huge huge and despite antibiotic management and topical management from good carers it was getting nowhere an Italian gentleman they had an affinity for natural medicine by using a honey-based ointment that I've referred to that progressively progressively improved to the extent that he was discharged discharged with the ulcer entirely healed entirely healed uh, as something that hadn't been capable of being achieved for a couple of years of, of management so what you've done is is convince listeners that Dennis Stewart is not just raving <laughs> when he talks about honey being capable of of being used in this way it shouldn't be seen as a cure all but my word it, it has potential. I have a, I'll have to be quick on this, but I have a paper at home which I have used to, to give lectures on about a, a medical practitioner in Nigeria who was using honey to address serious machete wounds on some of the Africans who at that stage were fighting amongst each other. And the results of using honey on some of these hideous wounds as testified in, in this article. That's what gave me a lot of stimulus to look further into it. There was no way that these poor, pe- poor people could afford drug therapy. I think it was a missionary doctor who was probably battling with, with gear and functioning. But by putting honey, even on these terrible scar wounds, machete wounds, he was able to heal many of them. That's fabulous, and mm. thanks for your story. That is great news, David. Uh, 2NU RFM's Health Naturally. Dennis Stewart, you've got about two minutes to talk oh, about Golden Seal. Two minutes, Jane. Goodness gracious me. <laughs> well, two we minutes. started we talking started, about we Golden Seal. What I will say is this. The Golden Seal is probably, probably, um, yeah, look, I'd have to say, within the top ten most important herbs in Western herbalism, and it will be a sad day if and when, and it's possible, if and when the availability of this North American herb uh, is no longer there. And I'll preface my discussion, because we'll take this up next week, by saying that golden seal is now an endangered herb and a herb that we've always taken for granted, which was easily procured, is now so expensive, 
and so endangered that I fear that our use of it in so many formulations will be significantly uh, interfered with. I'll talk about Golden Seal next week and and listeners will realise why I, to an extent, rave over this remedy without which I would not have been able to achieve many benefits on many systems of the body. So golden seal, is that cultivated in Australia? Uh, uh, or this, is this, this is, the big question? This, this, is, this is a whole intriguing situation because, uh, listeners, please don't think I'm boasting about this, it was myself with two other of my graduate students that were the first to import from the US some seedlings of Hydrastis canadensis, put it through quarantine, and to start the growing of it here in Australia. I'll talk about it next week. Right. No, you can't go yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we will talk about it next week. But at the moment, it is still one of the American herbs. Oh, yes. And, look, uh, we import it from America. We import, um, strictly speaking, we import the, the dried rhizome, and that is taken up by Australian manufacturers to convert it into various liquid and solid forms. We did have it growing. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. know it grows well here, and particularly in the cooler climates and particularly on better country as around, say, the uh, well, the Southern Highlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, volcanic soil, cooler climate, we had it thriving. There's a whole story about this, but we're only a handful of us. And fortunately, this led to a gentleman uh, in Victoria setting up a whole nursery where golden seal is propagated and made available uh, for growers that are interested in it, together with many other of the North American herbs, many of which are endangered along with uh, this particular herb, golden seal. I would like uh, listeners and small growers to think seriously about the possibility of growing a herb like this, which to purchase on the open market now is about $500 a kilo. Golden Seal next week. Two and you RFM's Health Naturally. Look forward to your company next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Two and you RFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business, and travel. You'll find them all at twonurfm.com. <laughs>